Your ears definitely do not deceive you. You are listening to Jarius the Unapologetic Geek and welcome back for the first time in a long time to the Unapologetic Experience. I have quite a bit of things that I want to get into today, uh, but listen, I, I just needed some time off. Holidays are coming up when the last time um, I actually got on air and I think that was around my Joker review or whatever so that was around October-ish I'm so sorry for being gone for so long but I had a lot of stuff going on I got a promotion in my job blessings all that kind of stuff um, I just need to take some time off to kind of reevaluate what I was going to do with the show and one of the things I came up with is I'm going to pull back on sports a little bit uh, and just really focus on TV and movies and the main reason I'm doing that is because I have a, a sports podcast that's doing very well. It's called The Culture Sports, along with my boy TK over at um, Black With No Chasers Sports. Uh, it's on Apple, it's on Google, it's on all those platforms. Just make sure you look up The Culture Sports if you want to keep hearing my sports hot takes. Uh, I also talk a lot of sports with my guys, uh, AD and Leslie, over at the Off Topic Podcast. You can check that out over on um Ah, Black Excellence and Ignorance is the page on Facebook, but on SoundCloud, that's the platform that we're on where we put the podcast out. We talk about a lot of cultural uh, things, but <laughs> normally, if we're not talking about some sports shit, we're talking about some geek shit. But anyway, the main focus of the show going forward is going to be a little peel back, like I said, on sports, and we're going to mainly focus on TV and movies and stuff, but... But on this particular episode, I'm just going to give you a little taste of how sports will be going going forward because, I mean, it's such a big part of my day-to-day life, you know, whether I'm listening to uh, Skip and Shannon on Undisputed or whatever the case may be. I just take in a lot of sports. I watch a lot of games, and and it's just, you know, part of who I am. And uh, with that being said, sports will be on the show, but it just won't be as uh, in-depth as I initially you know, did things. Now, eventually, I may switch up the format again, but for now, this is what's going to work for me. And with that being said, uh, it's been a long time since I've been on here. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, talk a little bit about Kevin Durant's uh, recent interview on uh, All the Smoke podcast uh, with, um, oh, what's his name? I know it's Steven Jackson. It's not Harrison Barnes. I can't believe I'm forgetting his name right now. Anyway, he be whooping people ass. Matt Barnes, yeah, him. Uh, so I'll talk about that a little bit. But first, man, I have to, I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about Kobe Bryant. Uh, January was a tough month for me. Uh, and it kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, a couple weeks leading up to hearing about Kobe Bryant, like, like around the first of January, things are really going good, you know. Really, that first week of January, things are going fine, man. I'm doing well, um, doing well in life, really. Uh, the unapologetic geek was really starting to get up on an uptick again after Facebook was fucking with my algorithm for whatever reason, and, and things are going cool. And then um, one day at work. I was on break and, and my wife gave me a call and uh, asked me to just step out and speak with her. And I found out 
virtually out of nowhere that my brother, my older brother, had passed away. Uh, rest in peace, Naaman Smith. Man, I miss you a lot. He's uh, <laughs> a big part. He was he was another person that had an influence on the kind of geek that I came out to be. Uh, my dad was the first. I call him the original unapologetic geek. Uh, rest in peace, Naaman Thomas. Um, but Naaman Smith, he was awesome as well, man. Like he used to play video games with myself and my dad, and he follows sports a lot more. He's a sports geek more so than he was a, a movie and TV show geek. In uh, video games, that was his whole thing. Uh, so those those two individuals kind of shape the persona, my own air persona in a lot of ways. Um, very big influences, but getting back to my brother, yeah, he passed away and, and it was it was very much unexpected and I was dealing with a lot, you know, just processing it and, and pushing forward through that. And a, a little while later, I mean, towards the end of January, out of nowhere, Kobe Bryant dies. And the reason why that's a big deal is because that was my brother's favorite athlete. Like, I grew up liking Michael Jordan. Uh, my dad, I think he was more so of a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar fan. Uh, he liked Magic Johnson, too, and he liked Jordan. Um, but I was really a Jordan fan. And my brother liked Jordan, too. But, man, it was completely different when my brother talked about Kobe Bryant. Man, He loved Kobe Bryant. And just the way he played, he loved the mama mentality, all of that. That was just, you know, that was his deal. He was a very, very big fan of Kobe. And to see that, knowing that was my brother's favorite player, it, it really did mess with me a whole lot. Um, I can't, I can't lie, man. It really messed with me. And the big impact, and I've joked about Kobe on uh, some of my other podcasts, just saying, yeah, he was great, but he copied Michael Jordan. It was just, you know, jabs like that. And uh, like Michael Jordan was a more efficient player. Like I had a lot of arguments against Kobe, but growing up. I, ex I respected his game a lot. Kobe, I tell anybody, it's different lists. It's a list for the greatest players of all time and a list of greatest players I've ever seen of all time. And Kobe is a part of that list as well as uh, Shaquille O'Neal. And it was just the outpouring of love and affection and the stories that you heard that just really gave you a different perspective on who Kobe was and we were starting to see this other Kobe that people talked about in his retirement. And I just really, we got robbed of a lot of things. We got robbed of a, of a great um, a great sports mind and a great human being from what I can tell. And it's just a shame that, you know, we won't get to see his second career play out. Uh, I never watched Dear Basketball before he died just busy doing a lot of things i just kept forgetting to check it out i got a whole list of netflix movies and tv shows and and movies and tv shows on different platforms that i haven't checked out just because i just had i either forgot it or just didn't have the time but i watched dear basketball and my god he definitely deserved the oscar uh, it's a beautiful piece and it carries a whole new weight now that he's passed away um but it's just so unfortunate that we lost such a great mind and such a great person and player and 
you know, he just, he was, he was a good guy. And as far as his daughter is concerned, that's even more tragic because I was actually looking forward to when she would go to the University of UConn. From my understanding, she was as good as advertised and she gravitated towards Kobe and Kobe was really just showing her the game of basketball was working on her mind and it's these stories are coming out that she had a different kind of maturity she wanted to be just like Kobe and you could see that you could see that when they were in pictures and stuff together and on video together she wanted to be just like Kobe that was Kobe's baby right there and I know he had four daughters but Gigi was the one that was going to be the most like him so it's tragic that she died. It's tragic that Kobe died. It's tragic that the seven other people, including the pilot, uh, lost their their lives on that helicopter crash. Um, and as far as the social media reactions, of course, you had people with a huge outpouring of love, and you have people who had different things to say. They brought up Colorado and things of that nature, which, yeah, I get it. Some of it, I believe, was gratuitous, and it was it was you know, for the purpose of serving whomever it was that was bringing it up to somebody just had to have a hot take out there and try to, to make it about something else. Um, Gail King being one of those people, uh, and, you know, they were met with a lot of fervor and, and rage, and some people lost their jobs, some people got suspended. Gail King is currently in hiding. Uh, by the way, I think it's stupid for people to threaten someone else over the things that they choose to talk about in their career i mean being being you can be angry with someone without being disrespectful and people are really being disrespectful to gail king i don't think that's necessary uh, i don't condone it at all even from snoop dogg uh and i i understand where he's coming from but what he's saying is not that's just not the way to do it and so you can disagree without being disrespectful but um i really feel bad for I feel bad for all of Kobe's children, but I really feel bad for Vanessa. Vanessa was one of the first people I thought about. Oddly enough, I thought about Shaq before I thought about Vanessa. And shame on me. But I thought about Shaq because I, I you know, we saw that relationship play out in the public eye. Those guys, you know, having their issues, their ups and downs, and then them finally reconciling and becoming genuine friends again, even though they kind of gave each other a hard time from time to time. Um, but then I thought about Vanessa, and Vanessa, man, she she lost her husband, who they've been in love and, and together for so long, and went through a lot of shit together. Uh, Vanessa took a lot of shit, you know, being with Kobe, and then on top of that, she lost her daughter, and I just. I just couldn't imagine going through that kind of pain. So my condolences and my thoughts are with her, with Kobe's friends and Kobe's family. Um, it was just a shame. I believe the Lakers have handled everything with grace. I believe LeBron has handled thing, everything very well. Uh, and it's clear that LeBron more so gravitated towards loving Kobe growing up than he did Michael Jordan. And it became clear uh, after he passed away and you really got to peek a little bit more inside as far as their relationship is concerned. Uh, but it's just a tragic thing and it's, it's still very sad and, and here we are in February and it still hurts and I'm pretty sure it's going to sting all the way through to the rest of the year. But you know, unfortunately, Kobe passed away at the age of 41 uh, on a helicopter um, when the helicopter crashed, his helicopter crashed uh, and it, you know, killed him 
as well as eight other people, including his daughter. And uh, that's just, it's just very unfortunate. But I don't know, that time, as time passes, it'll never be easier, but I know it's going to get better. And I think it really affects us in the realm of um, mortality, especially people who grew up watching him. It just it makes us feel so human, and we we view our basketball superstars uh, collectively as it's just these immortal Herculean figures, and it's tough to see, t- tough to see a god fall. And I'm not saying that Kobe is a god in the sense of being an actual deity, but it's just these these superstars kind of look like, you know, not not that you worship them. But they kind of look like deities, like gods to us, like superheroes. And it's it's tough to see, tough to see superheroes fall, or whatever. So, yeah, man, it's tough. Uh, it was <laughs> it was essentially my January, uh, but it it and I wanted to actually record the week that um that he passed away, the week before, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. But here I am. Um, I'm back and gonna start giving more content and I'm around for the long run so uh, shifting gears to the Super Bowl uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are your new Super Bowl champions they defeated the San Francisco 49ers 31-20 uh, it's been over a week now at this point so I won't linger on it too long I'll just say uh, one thing and that's Pat Mahomes is a bad motherfucker uh, Pat Mahomes he was struggling through the first three quarters it looks like the moment, it, there may have been a moment that was finally bigger than him. But, no, he turned the tide and in that fourth quarter, with a lot of help from his defense, in that fourth quarter, they were able to turn the game around, take over the game, and he just became unstoppable Pat. The same Pat Mahomes we've been seeing for his first two years starting, he became that again, and he is now Super Bowl champion. If I'm not mistaken, he's the youngest or second youngest to ever win uh, MVP as well as uh, a Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I think he's the youngest to do both of those things. I could be wrong, but I believe that's the case at the age of 24. Uh, And the NFL has clearly found their face. They've clearly found their star. I, I just thought, I thought, you know, through the first three quarters, he looked human. But then he just he just found himself in that fourth quarter, and he just let loose. Uh, Richard Sherman just flat out got exposed. That was a huge part of it. But I think the biggest reason why they ended up losing that game was uh, none other than Kyle Shanahan, who now has a legacy of being a choker in not one but two Super Bowls when he was up by double digits on the opposing team. Uh, only time will tell if he can kind of get away from that. But one thing I know for certain is it's hard getting back to the Super Bowl when you win one. It's really going to be hard for that team to get back after losing one uh, because teams are kind of going to catch on. Uh, a glaring weakness was Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think the Chiefs kind of showed a little blueprint as to how you can beat the San Francisco 49ers. Part of that blueprint is having a good mobile QB, which is what Pat Mahomes is, which is what Russell Wilson was, and which is what Lamar Jackson was and those were um, three of the four losses Matt Ryan the, the Falcons win was kind of a fluke but three of the four losses came to mobile QBs and so I think 
the uh, 49ers are kind of vulnerable there. But in this situation, Kyle Shanahan definitely got in his own way. So that's it, man. Like <laughs> Chiefs win. They're looking very dynasty-ish right now. Uh, they're very cocky <laughs> as of right now. They're about one Super Bowl away from being viewed as supervillains after being viewed as rock stars during this offseason. But uh, I'm really, really happy for Andy Reid. Tyron uh, Matthew, I'm happy that he got one. Uh, I'm happy that Pat got one. I'm happy that Travis Kelsey got one. But I'm really happy for Andy Reid because I think he got a bad rap as to being this coach who, who kind of shrunk in big games. And he did an amazing coaching job. And anytime he did kind of try and shy away from doing something, he had a quarterback that said, no, I can handle this. And that's exactly what they did. So Kansas City, they are your 2020 uh, NFL champions. And I cannot wait to see where they go from here. And also to everybody who is saying that Pat Mahomes isn't black, that's pretty crazy it's pretty idiotic and you all should probably stop so yeah let's stop with the hot take stop threatening gail king and stop fucking disrespecting the blackness of pat mahomes something that he's addressed several times just just let it go uh real quick getting back to the nba uh kevin durant came out he had a couple comments just talking about what happened uh as far as him and OKC and also what happened in terms of himself and uh, Draymond Green in in uh, place, Golden State. So it was very interesting just to, you know, hear his perspectives and, and things he had to say about that. Uh, starting with the OKC point, I thought it was pretty, it's pretty funny. It's kind of fucked up. But it's pretty funny to me on the OKC end of things because he was basically saying I left because I didn't have no goddamn help, man. Which, <laughs> which is true. He, he, well, I'm not gonna say it's true. He had a solid team, but he was saying there were some things that you know they lacked in OKC that really just just uh, cost them, you know, or he thinks was keeping them from achieving the status of, of becoming champion. So he thought he had to leave. The direct quote from him is, uh, in OKC, I played with a lot of athletes. I didn't play with a lot of skilled guys, not like shooters, ball handlers. handlers. I was like, I need a change. And this was before the season even started. I was tired of having to be the one guy that can make threes, make jump shots, and consistently make them. Um, and that comes from all the smoke podcasts uh with matt barnes as well as uh stephen jackson which is an excellent podcast by the way but uh he was just talking about that and you kind of see you know hindsight being 2020 you kind of see that throughout the year that team was very focused but there was an exhaustion that you could see between uh kevin durant as well as um russell westbrook like they were th those two were always going to separate to me because the personalities don't fit. Kevin Durant is sensitive um, to a fault at times, but he's an excellent player. And Westbrook is also an excellent player, but he's overbearing and he has issues deferring. And sometimes when when you had Superman right there uh, in, um, in Kevin Durant, you had the Flash trying to take over in Westbrook and save the day on his own so he could 
really, you know, be the reason because he had that dog in him. To me, Russell Westbrook was the alpha. He was always the alpha. But KD is the better player. And so that that makes sense as to why he left. He still had a solid team, but it just it was he was just tired of, of having to be the consistent guy. And I can see that. I'm not excusing him going to the Golden State Warriors and essentially breaking <laughs> breaking the NBA. But I am saying, you know, I kind of get I, I get the logic that he presented there. Uh, but they moved on to another topic. And they wanted to ask him about, you know, him isolating himself uh, during this time with the Golden State Warriors. And it came back to Draymond Green straight up. And so his quote there was um, for him to say, well, hold on. What was his? Let me see if I can find the beginning of the quote. The beginning of the quote was um, they were playing. uh, I forgot what game it was. And uh, he said that it was a play in Los Angeles. Uh, it happened. He was like, I was going to grab the rebound. He came and grabbed it. I'm thinking he's going to just toss it to me and we run up the court. And I'm going to shoot the shot. And then it didn't. And I was kind of shocked. And then he goes on to say, uh, I was, he's like, then I just heard him screaming. And I was like, hold up. He's usually screaming when he's coming back to the bench. But what is he saying? Then he starts going off, and I'm just thinking Draymond is actually my friend, somebody that I can t- call when I'm going through anything. He says, I was just like, whoa, Dre, let me see that. Like, what you doing? Then he turned it over, and I'm like, just so confused. I'm actually telling this out of order, but he was still talking about the play on that. But, yeah, he went off on him, and uh, and KD was just, you know, very confused. And he goes on to say, for him to say that type of shit to me, it just threw me for a loop. I just started isolating myself after that. And the, this is what I'm going to take from it. I'm going to move on quickly. You mean to tell me that Draymond Green, the, the least important factor, and yeah, I'm going there, the least important factor and the Golden State Championships is the one that ran off the most important factor for the last two championships that they won? Girl, you fucking kidding me with that? I had a conversation with the guys over at Off Topic, and I, I just broke it down just from my perspective. If I'm Steve Kerr, I'm going and I'm starting to talk to Steph and Clay and ask them, look, if it comes down to it, after this incident now, if it comes down to it, which one are you taking? Because if you ask me from a basketball standpoint, I think we should try to keep KD here. Yeah, it'd be great to keep them both together, but I think we should try and keep KD here because KD will give us a better opportunity to win more championships than Draymond would. And I, it, when, when KD was out and he was hurt, I would have come to him then and said, look, we love you, we need you here. We want you to stay here. What Draymond did was inexcusable, and I let Draymond fucking go. There's no way, if I'm able to, to, and maybe they felt like there was nothing they could do, but if I'm able to retain a guy like KD over Draymond Green, fuck that. I'm keeping KD all day. That was fucking ridiculous, man. And now the Golden State Warriors, and you know, they're they're severely depleted. Both Clay and Steph are hurt. 
And Draymond, but when he's out there, if he doesn't have scores with him, he's useless. Averaging, as Charles Barkley put it, averaging a triple single, he's absolutely useless, man. So that whole KD situation was crazy. And now that I hear, I've kind of been turning as far as, you know, him making the decision that he's made. At first, I was a little bit hard on it, but I'm like, man, fuck it. The worst thing he did was keep LeBron from winning more championships, and that's the biggest issue that LeBron fans have with him. Yeah, they can say, you know, they don't like him teaming up and all that kind of stuff, and he essentially broke the NBA. But the main issue that's at hand is that he kept LeBron from winning more championships. So that's it. But shifting gears, get into what I said the show was going to be a lot more about. Let's get to the entertainment side of things. Fast and Furious 9 dropped their first trailer. Uh, and the, the first thing that trips me out that I'm completely confused about is how they plan on selling John Cena being Vin Diesel's brother. Like, Dom Toretto has a brother, and his brother looks like John Cena. I'm assuming that we're going to go with, um, I don't know. I don't know. And you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. Logic be damned. Now, he's probably going to end up being adopted or, or something like that. I just... I just don't see it, man. I just do not see it. But whatever. Anyway. Um like that. Like what is he you know what? No, I'm not going there. But I guess I kinda have to. What is maybe I'm mistaken and Vin Diesel is supposed to be Italian in the the Fast and Furious season. I mean uh movies. But John doesn't even look Italian. Like, I don't, I don't, I do not get it. I know they're going to try and sell it. We'll find out when Fast 9, because make no mistake about it, I'm going to see Fast 9. But we'll find out when it happens. That immediately just threw me off. Uh, Charlize Theron is back. Uh, Everybody except for The Rock and Jason Statham appears to be in this film. And uh, also Gal Gadot for obvious reasons. But I know what you're thinking. Sung Kang, he, his, you know, Han died in a previous Fast and Furious installment, going all the way back to Tokyo Drift, the third one, and then they doubled down on him dying at the end of Fast 6? Yes, at the end of Fast 6. So three movies later, they doubled down on it. No, Han is in this movie. Sung Kang is back playing Han in this movie, and it threw everybody for a loop. I... uh, I know movies have to sell themselves. I think people who are going to see Fast and Furious are going to go see it regardless. I wish they would have kept that reveal for the movie. I felt the same way in Thor Ragnarok. I wish... Thor Ragnarok is already a good comic book movie. It would have been taken to the next level if you would have went in not knowing that Hulk was in the movie. Like, seriously. That's how I feel about Fast 9. They should have kept the Han reveal a secret. And now we have a whole lot of, of questions that need to be answered. What I think is going to happen is uh, you're going to think he's dead. And somebody uh, probably from Jason Statham's camp, because they have to. Jason Statham is no longer a heel. He's a face now. He's a good guy now. So they're going to do something where he didn't kill Han. But he kind of left him, you know, alone to to just recuperate and live his life. That's what I think is going to happen. 
and because of Hobbs and Shaw and then at the end of Fast and Furious 8 uh, he basically Dom Toretto basically called uh, Hobbs family not for Hobbs I mean Shaw he called him family or whatever so you had fans outraged about that and it was like hold on he killed another one of your quote unquote family members you gonna let this motherfucker break bread and drink with you or whatever the case may be so I think the writers are going back and retroactively uh, retconning that so they can get it to where people you know can justify their love for Shaw but we'll find out um, Fast Furious 9 comes out this summer so We'll see how it goes. In other big news, Sam Raimi, who directed the first three Spider-Man films and directed a personal favorite of mine, uh, Drag Me to Hell. Great horror movie. He also uh, directed Evil Dead. I think he directed all three Evil Dead movies or whatever, but he's like a horror genius and and he did great with Spider-Man. Well, He's going to get back in the superhero movie directing business, reportedly. Nothing has been confirmed yet, but it looks like he's going to direct, or he's in line to direct um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is Doctor Strange 2. I really, really hope this happens because the only director that I can think of that I would prefer over Sam Raimi for a Doctor Strange movie would be... um, Gamero del Toro his him bringing those horror elements to Doctor Strange would be excellent I'm hearing that Doctor Strange is going to go more of a horror route and I really like that idea and I think Sam Raimi will be a great uh a great person to you know be the one that that actually uh takes it in that direction so that'd be fine but the only person that I can think of that, that would be better than him in that round would be Gamero del Toro uh, because I mean it'd just be fucking awesome last time he did something superhero-esque was uh, Hellboy of course well in Hellboy the Golden Army is one of my favorites of all time another one of my favorites of his that was in this Marvel um, superhero realm was Blade Blade 1 I know I'm sorry not Blade 1 Blade 2 which was fantastic and it was very imaginative and he did something interesting with vampires in that movie so it'd be cool if he you know took over uh, as far as being director of Doctor Strange but Sam Raimi he's no joke and no slouch and I think he's going to do well um, with that franchise if he is you know to actually sign up uh, the Spiral trailer um, was called Spiral The Book of Saw which is a Saw spinoff that oddly enough was uh, announced several years ago uh, and I remember when the news broke and they said Chris Rock wants to produce a new Saw movie and I was like what the fuck is Chris Rock gonna do with Saw like I wasn't scared of it being a comedy or something it was just so peculiar when you heard it at the time well the first trailer comes out it looks like it's gonna be a prequel because the cars looked a little bit older uh, in there and it looks like one of the first cops to actually try to track down Jigsaw uh, and I also saw that uh, Samuel Jackson will be joining him in this movie. And the trailer was surprisingly very good. Uh, it, it's no real comedy in there. Chris Rock does say something that makes him laugh, that makes people laugh. But it was really good. And I like Chris Rock as an actor. I thought he did okay. Um, or not okay. He did a pretty good job in his um, 
his appearance in Empire playing a more serious character. Uh, and I think when he's acting seriously as he did in New Jack City, he does well in that role. So I'm I'm actually surprisingly excited to see, you know, how Spiral goes and where they go with it. The trailer was appropriately creepy and, and you know, it just gave you a sense of, you know, how the movie's going to go. I kind of got a, a um, uh, what's the name of that movie? Kind of Silence of the Lambs kind of vibe with it. So I'm looking forward to that later on this year. Uh, but uh, just, you know, the main point that I wanted to get to with this episode coming back, um, just a couple of reviews that I had, uh, just some things that I saw during my time out. I saw a whole bunch of shit. No, first of all. I actually have not seen like Star Wars and, and um, I forgot it was another movie that I didn't get to see uh, at all while it was in theaters but like I said I, I just really took a lot of time off the holidays just they were insane but uh, I actually got to see uh, this weekend I actually got to see Birds of Prey Birds of Prey stars Margot Robbie uh, Rosie Perez, Ewan McGregor, and uh, several other different people. Uh, uh, what's her name? Um, Jesse Smollett's sister, which is crazy because it's Journey Smollett, but Jesse used to be known as Journey's brother. But anyway, uh, they were all in, in Birds of Prey, and it was a surprisingly solid movie. It's not a movie that I would clamor to see again. Like, I didn't think it was brilliant. I didn't think it was, like, super good or anything. But I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, the playful tone of it, it was very reminiscent of Deadpool. Uh, DC, the DC Universe has their Deadpool. But it, it was just, it was just, you know, it was a good start. I'll put it that way. And which is what I've been feeling about, um these last couple DC movies Shazam was a good start Aquaman was a surprisingly good start um, to the point where I'm actually looking forward to his next movie uh, and the trailer for Wonder Woman 1984 dope just fucking dope can't wait to see that and I think you know their little win streak that they have going on will continue in that regard but Birds of Prey is a good start, and I would like to see where they go with it. Margot Robbie, first of all, commands the movie, just outright. And the uh, the supplemental players, uh, Huntress, as well as Black, uh, yeah, Black Canary, and um, uh, Cassandra Kane, as well as uh, Detective Montoya, they all, all of the protagonists, they all do very well in this movie like you actually care about these characters the action scenes were on point they had some really creative action scenes of it harley quinn has a fight style all of her own where it's, it's a little bit clumsy but it's a little bit graceful at the same time and she really focuses more on outsmarting her opponents and using weapons and she does like say um like a, a actual badass like say Canary. Canary is she all about those hands. 
uh, Huntress, who's also in the movie, she she's just more of a, a badass in regards to using a crossbow and you know using martial arts. She kind of puts you in the mind of the Punisher. So I really was interested in what they did with the different characters and their different fighting styles and how they made these fight scenes come together. Uh, Ewan McGregor as Black Mask, I thought like when I was watching it at first, he was you know just zany, just really zany or whatever and I got there from the previews but man holy shit when he puts the black mask on he nails it like that was when I saw Roman Sionis from the comics not Roman Sionis according to the movie he nails it when he actually becomes black mask and throughout the movie he is black mask but when he puts that mask on his swagger changes the the way he is just changes and i really enjoyed that about the movie some of the things i didn't really enjoy the movie moves at a breakneck pace i don't you know i, I have no issues with the pacing of the movie but sometimes it, it kind of gets to the point where you're like okay you're, you're kind of just forcing the craziness a little bit and people accuse wonder woman and, and uh captain marvel as being propaganda for girl or woman empowerment and all that kind of dumb shit. And I'm not calling the woman empowerment part dumb. I'm talking about people kind of using it as a critique to go against those movies. That shit is stupid to me. In this movie, it gets a little heavy-handed. Like, this is actually... It actually does come off like as a, a, a brochure of, of women empowerment. And I'm all for that. You know, I... I Captain Marvel, I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, Wonder Woman. But, and I'm looking forward to the Black Widow movie as well. When I tell you, at least in all of those movies, you're going to have a male figure in the film that is a good person, that actually wants to help the female protagonist. And, you know, that's an ally to that movement. Birds of Prey does not have a male character with the redeeming qualities in it at all, except for maybe one very, very minor character. He was okay. Everybody else, every man in this movie, bruh, every man in this movie ain't shit at all. In the Birds of Prey movie, men ain't shit. And they make sure you know that men ain't shit from the beginning of that movie to the end of that movie. They start making black mans do some shit just to just to really hammer home that yeah, he hate he's a psycho to everybody, but he really don't like women, man. It is nothing super gratuitous or super violent or anything like that. But he's just an asshole. Particularly to women. Shit is fucking crazy. But birds of prey overall. I enjoyed the movie. Uh, I'm going to give it an unapologetic 4 out of 5, which is uh, unapologetically legit. Um, actually, no. Yeah, yeah, I give it an unapologetically legit. Because I enjoyed the movie. It's just it's just nothing. You know what? No, I'm not going to give it a 4 out of 5. I'm going to give it an unapologetically I, which is a 3 out of 5. Because, and I just thought about it, because I'm going to give another movie the next movie I'm getting ready to review is going to get a higher score and they're not they're not in the same realm but it's going to get an unapologetically alright because you'll sit through it you'll probably enjoy it but you won't be clamoring to see it again um, 
unlike my next film. Bad Boys 3 completely blew me away as far as my ex expectations for that film going in. The trailers, Martin Lawrence just, he just wasn't doing anything for me in the trailers. And Will Smith was just being Will Smith to me, so I really didn't expect a whole lot. Shit. That movie was dope as fuck, man. Bad Boys 3 fucking did it for me. Like, seriously. Bad Boys 3, it, it took so many different turns and I'm glad they didn't put everything in the trailers something happens early on in this movie that just takes you aback like you're like holy shit oh this is serious this wasn't it's something that lets you know hey people can get can get killed in this realm and get killed in this universe and no character is safe and once they commit to that no character is safe premise they execute it later on in the film and it is just, the film unfolds beautifully. It's a movie about friendship. It's a movie about, about hell, past mistakes and, and past situations haunting you. It's a movie about hell. I mean, the same thing. It's, it, I made a joke that uh, Bad Boys is just all black lethal weapon. They, they got to go through with that. It really is a lethal weapon movie in that, uh, Martin's character, Marcus, he's just done. He wants to be out of the game. And of course, Mike Laurie, who would be the male Gibson in this situation, wants to keep it going. And what they do, man, they, they give a, a worthy adversary to both uh, Marcus and Mike. And, and they just do a lot of creative things, even from the action standpoint. And judging by the end, it looks like they're going to keep the, the franchise going. Um, it looks like it's going to be going in a new direction. We got a lot of new characters. We got a lot of, of surprises in this film, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. For me, Bad Boys 3, it's definitely been the best film I've seen in 2020. And yeah, it's been short, but it's definitely the best film I've seen, and I think it's going to hold up and uh, and keep a high status throughout uh, towards the end of the year. So very, very good. Um, and I'm giving... Bad Boys 3 and uh, unapologetically um, unapologetically uh, 4 out of 5 which is unapologetically legit um, like I said I just think it was a really good film and, and you know going forward I can't wait to see what they do with the rest of the franchise uh, so with that being said uh, last thing I saw recently was the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Part 3 I think they did a lot of great things. They've done a lot of great things in the first two se uh, two seasons of the show. And where they take the show in season three sets up a lot of intriguing elements in season four. Uh, to this, to me, this season is the second best season. The second season is the best. Then I put season three and then season one. But they just did a whole lot of, of crazy shit with the powers and, and witches losing powers. And now you have Lucifer no longer being the king of hell. And hell, uh, that there's this struggle as far as if Sabrina should be the queen or if this new character Caliban should be the king. And it sets up a lot of intrigue and a lot of things happen quickly in a season. And they wrap it up pretty nicely. So... Uh, as far as Sabrina is concerned, I'm also going to give that an unapologetic uh, four out of five, which is unapologetically legit as well. 
but with that being said, it's time for me to get on up out of here. Uh, I got a couple of shout outs. Uh, the first shout out, I want to shout out the mothership, the mother brand, Reality Breach for welcoming me back, for giving me a chance to just do what I do, to enjoy talking about sports and movies and just talk shit, really. Uh, check out Reality Breach, which is the main podcast. Check out the Black uh, Pocket podcast with Dunchy, Robert, and Justin. They're still doing their thing. I think I the Ninja Turtles podcast, which I always was, thought was really cool. Then they have something, I think it's called the... Uh, Ah, it's the Dead Something Kids, but that's that's a cool podcast too. I, I enjoyed that one. Uh, shout out to Black with No Chaser, CJ Lawrence and his team, man. They they're doing some great things. They've been tackling the whole issue with Mississippi uh, Department of Corrections and Parchment, and they've been at the forefront of that, man. They they shook hands and got to talk to people, and a lot of people being involved with it. They actually made an appearance at a rally in Mississippi on a recent episode of Love and Hip Hop New York. I'm proud of those guys. Proud of everything they do. Uh, my contribution to Black with No Chaser is actually being the co-host of a very cool and dope sports podcast that I mentioned earlier. Check out the Culture Sports wherever you get your podcast. Me and TK, we break down games. We break down uh, cultural impacts and, and co- the cultural impact of athletes and just different things like that, man. And we just look at sports from a black perspective and we talk about a lot of sports topics. So make sure you check us out. Uh, check out uh, my other show, which I also mentioned, Off Topic, AD. Leslie and myself, we just break down. It's really a show about the internet. We just talk shit about crazy shit that we see on the internet and we break it down and we give our perspectives and, you know, our views on just how crazy motherfuckers are nowadays, man. But trust me, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Shout out to my resident DJ, DJ Lil Walt. Been rocking with me ever since the start. That's my partner. That's my friend, man. I love what he does. Go check out his mixes on DJ uh, Lil Walt on his channel on SoundCloud. You will not be disappointed. Of course, I got to shout out the maestro of my man is Dunchy from Dunchy of Dunchy Did It. His SoundCloud at Dunchy Did It. Make sure you check that out. It's always some dope beats. You hear the dope beats on my show. If you want to check them out, you know, without me talking over them, that's the way to do it. And of course, you can follow me on Instagram at the unapologetic exp. Yes, that's different from the last time I told you about it. The Facebook page where I post reviews and I post just crazy ass videos and pictures and memes and all the things that I find all over the interwebs. Check me out there at the unapologetic geek on Facebook. Thank you for the success of the page. Thank you for the success of my podcast. Thank you for the success of my brand. Without you, this would not be possible. And with that being said, this is Jarius, the Unapologetic Geek, and I am out. Yeah.